0: Hi everybody and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby, and this is episode 56 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. You can also follow RV Miles on social media. We are over at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are over at OurWanderingFamily.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube.
0: Today's show is our big safety episode. We're gonna cover a whole lot of tips and tricks for keeping safe on the road, camping, wherever you are. Uh, There's nothing like being prepared to keep you comfortable and keep you feeling secure and safe.
1: Peace of mind all the way.
0: So we've got a whole lot to get into with that. We also have a lot of news this week. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean.
1: L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks, and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we're all outsiders, and you can be an outsider as well with L.L. Bean.
0: L.L. Bean just announced a, a major partnership uh, actually, just yesterday with the National Park Service, actually the National Park Foundation, which is the big charity, the official charity of the National Park Service. They're giving three million dollars and are partnering uh, with the the Find Your Park initiative. And uh, you can go on L.L. and get Find Your Park gear like the the tote bags and the T-shirts.
1: You can be Find Your Parked out <laughs> with L.L. I'm excited about this, too, because they're not just focusing on the Big Ten or the 60 national parks. You know, L.L. Bean, as we have gotten to know them, we have really loved the idea that they want to encourage everyone to explore what is in your backyard. And I'm excited for this partnership because I believe it's going to give A little bit more of a spotlight to some of those National Park Service units, maybe the smaller ones that we don't hear about on an everyday basis like we do with Yellowstone, Yosemite, Arches. So this is going to be really exciting to see. And for us personally as National Park lovers, this is a great pairing. And also for us with the National Parks podcast, we just couldn't be happier to be working with the people over at L.L. Bean.
0: Yeah. And we, we like to highlight a lot of the smaller parks on our show on we the do national love park a good underdog podcast as well. And this week is no exception. This week's national park podcast is about hot Springs national park, uh, which is one of the, it was the first park service unit we went to when we went full, after we went went full time in, in the RV. And it's one people forget about a lot because it is fairly small, but it's such a cool place And it's not what a lot of people expect. It's not like swimming in outdoor hot springs. It's mostly history, cool architecture. There are some trails and and, uh, scenic drives and and mountains and things like that, but.
1: It's really about the history of the hot springs. Bathhouse Row is such a cool place. I have been repeatedly recently saying to you, I'm ready to return. I would really like to go back to that area. I don't know if it's because it was the first park we went to. It was the park that kind of kicked off our first big family road trip as a full-time traveling family. It was also really the first time the kids had gotten their Junior Ranger badges. It just, it holds a lot for our family. So it was great to be able to talk about it this week over on America's National Parks podcast. And I look forward to hopefully getting us back down there. In the late winter, early spring, because I would like to make a push for the south and then start heading east early next year.
0: So make sure to check that out wherever you listen to podcasts, which is probably where you're listening to this podcast right now.
1: (laughs) If you are listening to a podcast, you probably have access to other podcasts. It's a wild theory.
0: So uh, another sort of national park. Related piece of news. <laughs>
1: this is such a great. This is one of the times where I think to myself, maybe I should start checking out that Reddit a little bit more. <laughs> so, if you're not
0: familiar with the Reddit site, Reddit is a, is a sort of social media site where people have discussions of of different topics, and there are different sections on the site for different topics. And the section for the Washington Nationals baseball team, the team has not been doing. So hot <laughs> this year, and uh, on the heels of a walk-off loss, the fans uh, on the Washington Nationals Reddit thread started to decide that they were going to talk about something other than the Washington Nationals. So they they turned it into a thread about tips and tricks for visiting the national parks, and, and then they <laughs> then they petitioned Reddit to actually change the the uh, page to be about National parks, to be national parks focused.
1: (laughs) It's so fantastic the way it happened. It was so organic. Someone was just like, can we just take a few days and not talk about baseball? We can't talk about these guys right now. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm thinking about going camping. (laughs) Does anyone have some suggestions? And they were just off to the races. So much so that they made it into a Washington Post article.
0: Yeah, there's a new banner photo up there and everything. It's pretty pretty funny. Um, okay. And then next in the news, let's just stick with the national park theme for a minute here. There was a boy injured by a bear in Yellowstone, which is fairly rare. There's one injury, usually one bear attack a year in Yellowstone. And this is a 10 year old from Washington state. And the family sort of, they encountered a bear uh, up the divide trail Southeast of Old Faithful. The son saw the bear and he ran away when it charged at him, which is not what you're supposed to do. But,
1: but he's 10, yeah, but he's 10 you know, right? And your impulse kicks in.
0: So the bear chased the boy, uh, knocked him to the ground, and the parents effectively deployed their bear spray, thankfully, that they had on them. And it scared the bear away and the bear ran off. But the boy did suffer a few injuries. He's got an injured wrist and a few puncture wounds from claws in his back. He did receive medical attention, but thankfully he's, he's fine. And uh, there actually hasn't been a reported bear attack at Yellowstone since 2015. But, you know, it's just proof that really bear spray does work. And, and it's really important to have when you're out in bear country.
1: There's a video going around on Facebook right now of a bear inside the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Inside? In the lobby.
0: Wow. It came
1: into the lobby. It's
0: like through the through like the automatic yeah, doors. Through the doors. Oh wow. That's cool. I, so, I hope to see that. I haven't seen that.
1: Uh, so the front desk attendant, the check-in at the hotel was the one that recorded the video. It was on the local news there. And the bear just is just saunters on in. That's just gonna check in for the night, I guess, get a room. It's a little tired. <laughs> but it is such a reminder that we build up communities and natural visitation places inside their habitat, inside their home. And so they are just as much a part of that environment as we are. Yeah. And sometimes they too want to stay at the Home of the Shining.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to some camping news. Don't Uh, you
1: mean glamping? I do mean glamping, actually, which is,
0: you know, kind of what all us RVers do. Uh, But glamping has sort of come to take on the term of not RVing, not camping, but staying in things like yurts.
1: I thought it really had come to mean that, if you're not paying at least $500 a night, you're not doing it right.
0: <laughs> well, that's true. There so there is like there's a glamping experience on, on an island looking at the New York skyline that's like $700 a night. It's
1: wild.
0: There's one in Chicago that is on a like a rooftop balcony in one of the high-rise buildings. So there's a lot of really expensive sort of glamping experiences. But a lot of campgrounds are putting in sort of vintage airstream trailers and things like that that are renovated. Uh, and and sort of decked out for you to spend some time in and so and yurts and other sort of fancy tents, the Yosemite Pines RV Resort in California—it's just outside of—it's about twenty-two miles from the Yosemite entrance—is now offering Conestoga wagons. This is so in. cool.
1: This is just. I love everything about there are this.
0: massive wagons, massive covered wagons, but they're sort of a Conestoga is like the big covered wagon. So they're a lot bigger than, than sort of the typical covered wagon. And, uh, and they've got king size beds in them. Not only do they have king size beds, they have bunk beds as well. There's two of them. One has a king size and a set of bunk beds and the other has a king bed and two sets of bunk beds.
1: Because nothing says Roughing it like the pioneers, <laughs> then sleeping in a giant wagon with air conditioning, a king size bed and a full coffee yeah, setup. Yeah, They the have air
0: conditioning and heat and you, know, you get your cured coffee maker in there. You've got a microwave and a fridge and stuff. I, it looks like a pretty cool experience. It's, I'm
1: so there for it. <laughs> it I'm, I mean, I am, I am. I'm just really let's go right now. I would love
0: it. But I I think this resort is really interesting because like you can RV there as well, but they also, they offer a lot of those vintage Airstream and other trailers to stay in. They have yurts, they have cabins, all kinds of stuff. Uh, And, but then they also have lots of fun things like a swimming pool, a petting zoo, volleyball, fitness trail.
1: You don't even need to go to Yosemite. You just stay there at the campground.
0: Well, it's, you know, it's, you can visit California's gold country. You can do whitewater rafting in the area. All kinds of waterfalls around there, so check it out. We've got a link to that on RVMiles.com, and we'll put it in the show notes as well, uh, where you can see some of the photos of this cool Conestoga wagon that that you could stay in. Finally, we wanted to mention another campground, the campground chain Yogi Bear Jellystone Parks, it have experienced this year a sixteen point four percent increase in revenue which is, you know, just massive. And we've been talking about the increases in revenue that all of the uh, the different RV manufacturers have been making over the years. But Yogi Bear's Jellystone parks are, this is the second largest campground chain next to KOA. I've said this before, if you've got the cash, now's the time to invest in a campground or an RV park, especially sort of a, a more like family style, high-end type place like a Jellystone Because there's a lot of people out on the road. There's a lot of people wanting to camp in these places and they are all booked. Uh, It's so hard to find a campsite right now.
1: It's really hard. And so these kind of reports that we get, like with KOA and with Jellystone, just continue to confirm what we see every time we go to look for where's our next destination, where do we want to stay? Everything is booked. So, you know, and hey, I guess in a way that's on us because we're not booking six, seven, eight months out. But honestly, I also don't want to book six, seven, eight months out because we do travel full time and we don't particularly care to lock ourselves down into a destination eight months out. You just never know where you never know where the bus is going to take you. You know what I'm saying?
0: All right. That's the news for this week. Before we head into our break, it is time for my gear tip of the week. We've been rotating between app tips and gear tips. And my gear tip this week you know, there, there is always this problem of trying to figure out what to do in a campground with your grease when you're cooking, your cooking grease, the leftovers. And a lot of people just throw it in the campfire, uh, which is, I guess, OK, if you've got a campfire go- going. I'm not a fan of throwing it in the campfire ring when you don't have a fire because that's gross, A, and B, you're just attracting animals and flies and things like that. So uh, and then you don't want to put it in your RV plumbing because it obviously can clog up uh, your plumbing and nobody wants to deal with that. So there's always a question of what to do. And some people put them in glass jars, but glass jars can break on the road. This is a cool little device from Camco, which is a company that makes all kinds of like little RV and camping gadgets. And and it's a, a grease storage container. Really what it is, it's just a it's like a tiny little trash can. It's like the size of two fists, a little trash can. And you, it comes with these foil bags and you could just use the foil bags and not have the little mini trash can. And they are those kind of foil bags that have the twist tie built right in like a, like a coffee bag. You know, when you buy coffee and it's got that little twist tie on the top mm-hmm, that I'm you familiar. can seal it off with. You're, you're very familiar. I'm, familiar I'm talking to the audience there who may not be familiar there.
1: Okay. I'm just letting but you know. You're I'm like familiar an with...
0: expert in that. I know yeah. when you don't go to Starbucks.
1: Yeah. So like every other day.
0: (laughs) So what you can do is then pour your grease in these foil bags and then you can seal them up tight and just throw them in the trash. Or you can put them in the fridge uh, to let them harden and you can add more to them. And once they're sort of full, you can throw them into the trash later on. I think they're really cool and they're really pretty cheap. So I'll link to those on Amazon in the show notes.
1: Thanks for that gear tip of the week, Jason. You're
0: welcome for that gear tip of the week, Abigail.
1: Let's take a break.
0: Let's, we'll be right back. <laughs> you know back. when
1: my full name gets broken, i <laughs> my full first name. It's time to take a break. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we will have the answer to last week's Brain Teaser.
0: All right, we are back with the answer to last week's brain teaser. Hey, a lot of people got this one right. Holy cow, we got a ton of answers on this one, but I thought it was still fun to do. So hopefully you all did too. The question went like this What five letter word typed in all capital letters reads the same upside down as it does normally? And the answer is the word swims because all of those letters when you flipped upside down either read the same and s reads the same or the w in the m they flip so the w becomes an m and the m becomes a w and, and i is the just solid down. right there in the, the, the middle same. yeah so that was pretty cool i thought the winner this week is tom Benden from florida tom will be receiving a not all who wander our lost t-shirt from our Amazon store, which I realized we haven't been like linking to or anything like that. We, we need to do a lot to do our gear. Like right now, that's all that's available. So we're going to link to that t-shirt in the show notes, if you're interested in getting one. Um, but we had somebody mention in the RV miles group,
1: which if if you're not a part of, you you should come join us
0: that they're interested in, in sort of supporting us and they were wanting to buy stuff. So, uh, one tip I want to let you know, and we'll link to this in the show notes as well, is that if you go through one of our Amazon links and buy anything off of Amazon, doesn't matter if it's anything we recommend or anything like that, we get a little bit of a kickback and it doesn't cost you anymore. Uh, if you're interested in supporting us that way, we'd, we'd love the support. We'll share our Amazon affiliate link in, in the show notes. So let's get into our safety discussion. Our safety tips help keep you safe and comfortable. But before we do, this segment is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound.
1: And for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off an annual guest privilege subscription with coupon code RV Miles. That is all one word, RV Miles. So sign up today at boondockerswelcome.com. We will provide a link in the show notes. And I will say that Boondockers Welcome is an Excellent way to help you feel safe on the road if you want to pass a night boondocking.
0: You can feel a lot more comfortable than staying in a, at a location that you don't know a whole lot about. Because what happens, I, we haven't really gotten into this much, and maybe we need to talk with the people on Boondockers Welcome on, on the show at some point. But when you find a place that you want to stay on Boondockers Welcome, you send in a message saying that you want to stay there, and they either accept or reject it. And, and you get information about that host and you get their phone number and a lot of
1: peace of mind information that makes you, there are
0: reviews from people and all kinds of stuff that really, that really helps you feel comfortable.
1: It's community vetted, which makes it even easier to go and spend a night, a essentially free night in the space that someone has open and just readily wants to share.
0: All right, let's get into our safety tips. Uh, and as we do, let's, let's mention first of all, that this is, uh, these are just general ideas. There is, uh, there are a lot more different safety tips that you can follow out there. These are the, some of the things that we think about and the things that we think are important. I also want to mention that I think a lot of people are really focused on their concern with staying in a Walmart or staying in a truck stop or a rest stop or even a shady campground or something like that and really the number one thing that you're doing to put your life in danger is getting in a vehicle and driving it out on the road so if you want to focus your energy on on safety i think that's the first place to focus it right
1: I would agree with that. And we have two articles up on the RV miles website that can help support that theory. One is driving your RV at night. Just some safety tips. If you do find yourself driving late into the evening, which some people actually prefer to do because the roads may not be as busy. And then another one is RV driving tips, especially if you are a new driver or you're driving a new rig for the first time or, you know, sometimes even when I I'm driving the van, but I'm driving the van in a new town in on a new highway, I can sometimes feel a little out of my element. So this is a great article. This RV driving tips for beginners is just kind of a great article to sort of remind ourselves of the day to day stuff that can often be forgotten.
0: Yeah. And we talked we had an episode on each of those topics, both the RV driving tips and the driving at night. Uh, so you can Either check out the articles or you can also listen to the episodes that we did on those topics. But I think, uh, I think they'll really help you out. And we're not going to go into sort of driving tips on this episode, but we do want to talk about knowing your route ahead of time, especially in case your GPS fails, because that happens. Uh, And sometimes your GPS is just loopy and doesn't know what it's doing. We've had that a lot,
1: especially in major urban cities as their highway systems begin to shift and change and expand our GPS gets so confused and thinks we've gotten off exit sometimes or that we're still on the highway and we're screaming at it to tell us, do we turn left or right? And it's being proceed to the route, proceed to the route. And we're like, we're on the route.
0: (laughs) When you're driving sort of a big rig RV, I think it's important to not just punch in the direction or punch in the destination and follow the directions on the GPS. It's important to sort of plan your route with your GPS unit. And especially if you're using a smartphone GPS, which isn't uh, isn't necessarily going to work when you don't have signal. It still works with satellite GPS, but if it can't download the maps, it's not going to work. Whereas your standalone GPS has already downloaded all the map information and is always is always going to work as long as it can get a satellite signal. So you want to make sure you have uh, you have a map as a backup. And we travel around. With an atlas but you can also anytime you enter a state you pull over to that first rest area and you're going to be able to grab a free map and uh, and it's going to be a lot more detailed than than the big u.s travel atlases we also want you to think about making sure you plan your route with some diligence when you're traveling through a big city because sometimes the gps's can send you through places that you might not feel as safe driving through not that it's that dangerous in in most cities to to drive a vehicle most places, but you know, there, there are some areas that you'll get into that you don't, you won't feel comfortable pulling over at a gas station, for instance. So I think it's important to really look at, at that and, and, and figure out, you know, like when we went to new Orleans, we, we sort of looked at, okay, what are the safe neighborhoods? What are the safe areas? Is this GPS route taking us through those areas or is it taking us through some of the areas that we might not feel as comfortable in?
1: And I think that's really subjective too. everyone's level of safety is very different. So that may be of no concern to you at all, or it may be of a big concern to you. So there's lots of ways that you can prep yourself for that as you're moving into a city.
0: For us, it's not something that we bother with a lot because we lived for 16 years in Chicago and it's just something we're comfortable with. But I know it is it's something that a lot of people will care about. And, and again, about a lot of this is about just feeling comfortable and getting getting rid of the anxiety.
1: Yeah, because we're all as we travel outside of our element or outside of our box, which is a really wonderful thing because we're experiencing something different from what we know at home. But again, it just comes back to having peace of mind and being comfortable so that you can fully open yourself up to those experiences in that new town, in that new state park, in that new national park or national monument or historic site that you're visiting. When you feel comfortable and you know what you're getting into as much as you can, then you can be open to receiving everything that's around you.
0: Make sure your RV and your car, your tow vehicle, whatever sort of vehicles that you have, Are maintenance and, and everything is up to date. You don't want to get out on the road for a long road trip. When, uh, when your timing belt needs to be changed and you're reaching that hundred thousand mark or something like that, you don't want to have sort of things that can fall apart on you happen when you could have just easily repaired them for a lot cheaper.
1: If there's a funny noise, Investigate what the funny noise is before you are thousands of miles away from home, that's and the, a, that's, the funny noise is a total,
0: that's a woman thing. <laughs> that is such a woman thing. Like, there, like it doesn't sound different, and and the woman is always right. Yeah, and like in this scenario, like men, I, I'm not to get into sort of
1: let's not get gender all like roles, gender boxing here, please. But at
0: least in in in, in my experience and in our relationship. Noises are things that men are often like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's no big deal. Yeah, well, it's just it's, denial. I, I don't hear it. I don't hear it. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't hear that. Yes. There's not, I don't hear anything. And,
1: well, often and women become, usually
0: hear it. And women are usually right that there is something wrong.
1: <laughs> in our relationship, and I'm only going to speak for our relationship because I don't know how it rolls with everybody else. But in our relationship, generally what happens is I hear the noise. I bring my concerns to you and then you are generally the one who has to then go and have the noise investigated or and I'm just going to say it. You ignore it long enough that I bypass you and go. When we lived in Chicago, I actually had a mechanic that knew me and knew the kids. They didn't know Jason because Jason was working 80 hours a week and he was never around in his defense but we had a mechanic not far from our house that I could walk to and I could take the car. They did our oil changes and everything. They were so great to us that at one point we had had something happen with the car. They came, they got us, they helped me out. They made sure I got the kids and I home safe and everything. They were so nice. And I was telling my dad this story because my father has a history in working in the automobile industry, working in the service industry of the automobile industry. And he actually called the repair shop and said, I just want to thank you for taking such good care of my daughter and my grandchildren. I cannot tell you how much that means to me to know that we have someone who's taking care of the car and keeping them safe. So often, if I hear something, it is in Jason's best interest To take it as probably fact, because our history has shown that generally something needs to be taken care of.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He really, the car thing really does get you. It really does get you because you really don't want it to be something. But deep in your heart of hearts, you know it is. And it just gets you that I got to it first. And noises,
0: new noises are always something. It might not be big, but a new noise is always something pay attention to, especially so, a new
1: noise on your rig.
0: So be vigilant about RV and car maintenance. And especially those sort of pre-trip things like checking your tires, not only for the proper air pressure, but for any sort of checking or, or wear or anything that might not look right and check your lights, check your oil, your everything with your toe set up and make sure everything is working in proper order. The other thing we want to mention that you should do when you're about to head out driving and and while you are driving is to just be diligent about checking the weather and know what's coming up weather-wise because what we've noticed, and I think we've mentioned this recently when we talked about we had our weather episode, when you're traveling to areas that you haven't spent a lot of time in, the weather patterns can be totally different. If you've never spent a lot of time in Tornado Alley, you know, you want to, you want to just have an idea uh, of how the weather works in those areas. And you just want to be extra cautious about constantly checking for things like watches and warnings.
1: Yeah. Having grown up and lived in the Midwest my whole life, I can smell a tornado, like before it even knows it wants to be a tornado. You can just smell it in the air. You're like, you know what? This, this right now, this environment, this feels like a tornado. One is a common. In the Southwest... I couldn't tell you if a sandstorm was about to just make its way across and take it from us who got bit in the butt and stuck in a sandstorm driving the bus. It's not pleasant. And we had to learn this lesson the hard way. We didn't check the weather before we took off. Yeah,
0: I don't know that we would have been able to know that it was happening, but we might have been able to be prepared for the eventuality of it.
1: What had happened these two times and what? for me, why this I thought was important to put on with the Southwest trips was that both of our travel days were heavy, heavy wind days, high wind days. And we kept saying to ourselves, why do we do this? Why do we keep traveling on these wind advisory days? And if we had just looked the night before, maybe we would have seen, oh, wind gusts of 42, 50, 55 miles an hour and we're going to be driving, you know, just straight down a highway. Through Maybe
0: a giant, vast <laughs>
1: desert <laughs>
0: field of sand.
1: Maybe yeah. we stay one more day and then we move on. Yeah. And it took us being bit twice before we learned our lesson.
0: So that's driving tips. Let's talk about your destination and and getting there. First of all, if you're boondocking or if you're staying you know, with no hookup somewhere, your pavement docking, as a lot of people call it. Pavement
1: docking. That's fantastic. You mean wall docking? Yeah. That's still my favorite way to, <laughs> to describe it. Are we wall docking? Tonight? Make sure
0: you have confirmation that you can stay. And if that's not possible, make sure you have a backup and a backup to the backup. But if we're planning on going to a Walmart or something like that, we'll usually have sort of three options. And if the first one doesn't feel right, you move on to the second one. That one doesn't feel right, you move on to the third one. And if that doesn't feel right, maybe we've got a camp a paid campground in mind that we or a hotel. Yeah.
1: You know what? If it's just not feeling good anywhere, you just you go get a hotel. You
0: know, I I have I have talked to people who have gone to hotels and just paid the hotel to stay in their parking lot.
1: Yeah, you could do that too for sure. There's always
0: an option. You know, you go and say, Can I have a room? I'm not gonna use it. But I just want to be able to stay here and they'll give you, you know, they'll give you a break and just give you, you know, charge you 20, 30 bucks to stay in their parking lot or something. That's always an an option. Uh, You can always just ask businesses, too. There's a lot of businesses that aren't Walmarts that will let you stay if you ask, especially if you're in a very small RV. But Uh, this
1: is where Boondockers Welcome can really come into play, too, Mm -hmm. because you could just have a night set up somewhere that you're going and have confidence in the individual you're staying with and the spot you're staying with. And then you don't have to worry about whether or not when you get to wall docking, you're not feeling it.
0: Try to arrive where you're going to be in daylight hours. Then you can really scope the place out, you know? And I know that that arriving at like four o'clock at a Walmart and then sitting there all night kind of stinks. Uh, A part of the reason a lot of people go to Walmarts is they can arrive at midnight and sleep the night and get up the next day and move on but really it is it is helpful to be able to arrive wherever you are at daylight and that also gives you the time to move on to a different place if you don't feel safe where you are if you are staying at a campground that night make sure you know the campground gate closure time and have a backup in place if that campground isn't going to work out for you. You know, we've, we've often had days where we plan to arrive somewhere at two o'clock and we didn't get there until eight o'clock. Those are,
1: that's a hard day. So oh. much
0: happens and goes wrong or, you know, you traffic,
1: traffic. there's an accident on the highway, there's construction, you, you get, get stuck lost. in rush hour and a, you know, yeah, it all happens. And in our early days of traveling and this hasn't happened as much because it did take Kind of, you know, getting your feet wet. And so in the early days of traveling, that happened to us a lot. We underestimated how long it would take us to get from point A to point B. And I can remember times we were calling campgrounds and saying, We're so sorry. We're running so much later than we thought we were going to be. We know your gate is going to close. Is this going to be an issue? And most of the time, they were absolutely fine. And they just said, Hey, call us when you get here. We'll come and let you in it's just not a very, it's not a comfortable feeling to be in. It's a very stressful place to find yourself in when you just want to get you and your family into your camp spot and comfortable.
0: And yeah. And like I said, that has happened to us on days when we plan to arrive by two or three o'clock.
1: Those poor so kids. it really
0: can, it really can happen. <laughs> yeah. and, and we've been to campgrounds that have closed the gates as early as six o'clock.
1: That so, campground in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I mean, they give you a Gate code, but that's after, after you're in. But you have to be in first. And there's
0: no instructions like if you get there and it's out. That after, was so.
1: wild. That's very unusual yeah. to close so early, but it early, happens. But so, it happens so, yeah.
0: So check, especially with state parks. Okay. Those are sort of our driving and destination tips. When we come back, we're going to talk about communication, what happens if there is some sort of attack that happens with your family, and things you can prepare for, sort of things like that. And, and safety supplies that you might want to be keeping on hand. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's talk about communication. I think this is really one of the most important things. And it's something that we need to get better at.
1: Do you think communication is important, Jason? Do you think communication between people is
0: important? It's not what I'm talking about.
1: Do you want to unpack this right here? Because we can get, (laughs) I'm just teasing.
0: We're mainly talking here about giving your information, where you're going to be, your itinerary to a friend or a family member. And that can be a lot of work. But what, Especially
1: if you're full-time traveling yeah. or if you're like us who makes their decisions 24 hours before they're supposed to leave somewhere where they're going.
0: But what we've realized is that we put pretty much everywhere we're going to be, what campgrounds we're staying at, all that sort of stuff, on a Google calendar. And we can share that calendar with anybody. So we're, we haven't done it yet, but we're about to. We're going to share our Google calendar with our family members so they know where we're at. We also always... Before we leave a town, and before we arrive, and when we arrive in a new town, we generally uh, have a conversation with one of our family members, one of our parents. Before yeah, we, I mean,
1: we talk to our, our parents yeah. pretty regularly, and they talk to the kids pretty regularly. So we do always feel like we have someone who kind of has a general idea of where we are, but we should probably be a little bit better about a more specific idea of where we are, or at least a length of time. They might know the area we're in, but they may have no idea how long we're going to be there. So the Google calendar is a really great way to just invite people to come if they need to know that information without having to track us down.
0: You need to be extra vigilant if you're out hiking with communication as well. So if you are, especially if you're going out on a long hike, you wanna make sure somebody knows that you're leaving, just a quick text to a family member that it's happening and say, I will text you back at this I will time, text you. if <laughs> if I don't check in with me, you know, uh, you also want to make sure to check in, you know, just check in with the ranger station, have a conversation with the ranger. Normally they're going to have you fill out a little permit, even if it's free to tell you, to tell them where you're going and when you plan on being back. And that's how they can check in to make sure that everybody that was supposed to be back is back.
1: But this could also be another great place that the Google calendar could come into mm-hmm. play, because if you do know, Even on the fly, standing right there, because Google Calendar has an app, you could very easily put in for that day the name of the hike, its distance, and the time you were planning to set off right there in the calendar. And then those people who have access to that calendar should, for whatever reason, that information need to be accessed. It's right there, and it was put in by you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Finally, uh, a communication tip that that I heard of and I have found really important is to post your contact information, uh, a phone number generally on the outside of your RV somewhere. And a lot of people are a little leery about putting their phone number out in the public. I'm not, I sort of feel like we all had our phone numbers in the phone book for decades. uh, and And I don't think anybody has ever taken my phone number off the outside of our bus and given it to like a a salesman. marketing firm or something like that. <laughs>
1: Sold it for, but, <laughs> for cash to a marketing firm.
0: But I think it's useful to have. Uh, I have our phone number written in sort of like a uh, paint marker on the glass of our bus door, and that way, if there's any problem with our bus while we're out and about during the day, somebody can call us. You know, if if there's God forbid a fire or or the the plumbing broken, there's flooding, uh, anything like that. They can let us know and they can find us or or we're parked somewhere and they don't like where we're parked instead of towing us. Maybe they'll call us. You know,
1: this makes me think first off, I think this is a really great idea. I completely am on board with this and I wish more people would do it because I watched an Insta story the other day and hopefully the people that did the Insta story maybe went over to the RV and checked first. But there was some crazy weather. And the people were filming the RV across from them that had its awning out. And the Insta story was like, wait for it. And sure enough, the awning got ripped from the RV and was just flapping around all over the place. And this is a spot where I think, you know what? Yes, I know it was like a torrential downpour, but I still would have run over before I started my Insta story. I would have maybe run over to the RV checked to see if there was a phone number posted somewhere so that I could call them and say, hey, it's crazy raining here and your awning is about to just come flying off your RV. Are you in a position where you can come back?
0: This is also good for if you have pets in your RV. And a lot of times people will break open cars because there's a dog in a car and and rightly so. Uh, but a lot of times people leave their pets in an RV and they're in their air conditioned. And, and it's, it's nice and comfortable in there. Uh, but others might not know that. And people have broken (laughs) into RVs before and, and let pets out. If you have your phone number posted there or even a note saying our pets are in here, they're comfortable, their conditioning is on. Uh, but having your phone number, they'll maybe call you first instead of breaking your window
1: before they hassle off that door, (laughs) get in there and save the pets.
0: Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about, um, some more serious stuff uh, attacks from animals or people uh, and and animals are are really something that uh, that i think we're more cautious about than than people although of course you have to be cautious about people that might harm you as well but when you're out in the wilderness and places like that it's really important to be careful around animals you are in someone else's home as we mentioned all the time
1: yeah they had said in that yellowstone article about the This poor little boy that was injured by the bear that all of Yellowstone, not just little pockets of Yellowstone, all of Yellowstone is bear country right next up to Old Faithful, up to the visitor center. Everywhere is bear country. So in a park like that, in a space like that, it's not just I'm going out on this hike. I need to be aware. No, I've entered this park. I need to be completely aware the entire time I'm here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and there are different ways that you can protect yourself, but the number one thing you can do is is be aware that also falls in line with things like, you know, if you're walking home alone at night, you're walking back to your RV alone at night, there are things that you're going to want to do that make you feel safer that don't actually make you feel safer. So for instance, getting out on your phone and having a conversation. We've all heard of somebody doing that or had somebody do that with us. I'm calling
1: you because I'm walking home. Yeah, I'm
0: walking home. I just wanna be on the phone with somebody in case something happens. Well, they always say that that's actually one of the most dangerous things that you can do because an attacker sees you as somebody who is distracted. Because you are. Because you are. You're You're not aware of your surroundings.
1: You're also not in a position with a phone in your hand To be able to quickly defend yourself and react should you need to be. If this isn't on the list, but I'm going to throw it out there because we're talking about walking from point A to point B at night. If anywhere when I am by myself and I am walking at night, even from Target to the car, campground, bathhouse to the RV, I carry my keys and I put one of the keys between my fingers so that the key point is sticking out and I hold it down. And this was something that I learned very young in a safety class, a female safety class, that what you have then is you have your key, which is something natural. You need anyway to get into your car. And if this would need to be a house key, because now, you know, we have key fobs and it's it's not a point, but you would put your house key or something between your fingers, point down. And if someone comes up and tries to attack you, you have that key that you can swing out at them and it's not going to mortally injure them, but it's going to startle them and it's going to hurt.
0: And it's it's something that's better than nothing for yeah, sure.
1: But it's a key and yeah. you always have your keys on yeah. you. You should always have your keys prepped to get into your car to even if you're coming back to your RV and you've locked it, you should always have your keys prepped, ready to open and get into the space you need to get into. This was something. I learned very early on in my teenage years to make sure that no matter where I was going from, from point A to point B, I had a way to protect myself that wasn't super obvious.
0: So that leads right into weapons. Let's just talk about weapons and and get this out there. Um, First of all, firearms. We're not going to get really much into firearms because for a couple of reasons. We don't own firearms and, uh, we just don't know a lot about firearms because we're not firearm owners. And that's just the choice we've made for us. And and we respect the choices that anybody makes when it comes to that. But there, there are some things that make a firearm, not the only option that you can possibly have. I think a lot of people think of I have a firearm. I am always protected. The problem being with that when you're traveling full-time or you're traveling part-time or wherever you're going is that you've got to deal with all the different regulations from all the different States. You've got to deal with the fact that a lot of areas like a lot of national parks, I think all national parks and state parks, uh, any sort of federal type parks, a lot of them you're not allowed to have firearms in, even though some people might have them in their RV. Uh, But, your RV isn't the only place that you want to be protected, right? You want to be protected when you're walking around, when you're in your car, all that sort of stuff. So firearms might be a choice that you make, but it's definitely not the be all end all. And there are other considerations that you need to think about for sure.
1: Absolutely. And full disclosure, you know, Jason and I went back and forth a little bit on whether or not we even made this discussion a part of this podcast topic because we're not firearm owners. We have, absolute respect for anyone who makes that choice. But we also knew that we wouldn't be able to give the kind of information or give the kind of weight to it that this kind of discussion needs. So we just always want to encourage anyone when we don't feel comfortable with the answer or we don't feel comfortable with our knowledge of something, we go and we try to learn as much as we can on that subject. So if this is something that you're interested in doing, then we super encourage you to seek out those who have knowledge because we do not.
0: Yeah. And, and the same thing goes for knives, you know, knives yeah. are knives are. I can talk uh, to obviously you about keys. a defense weapon, <laughs> right. uh, but there, there are also legal issues surrounding knives and the length of knives in, in, in different municipalities and uh, different public lands. And, and, you know, you can, you can get into legal trouble for carrying a knife that's too big, that sort of stuff. So what we do want to recommend though, whether you make those other decisions for yourselves or not, the thing we talked about earlier in the show, bear spray is, is an excellent defensive weapon. First of all, it works like, just like pepper spray, you know, so you can use it against a, a human attacker if, if something is happening. Uh, it shoots a very long distance. Bear spray can be used at like twenty feet away or more, and uh, and it's great for animal attacks, not only from bears. So if you have if you've got a coyote uh, or or something like that, a, a mountain lion, whatever it might be, attacking something you yourself, a child, anything, your your pet in in the campground, then bear spray is is a great go to choice to have on hand with you, and it's legal to take pretty much anywhere. So that's really all we want to talk about when it comes to weapons. But I do want to mention, though, if you are being attacked, most attacks from humans are, are going to be muggings. And do what you want <laughs> and t- take your own advice. But I want to st- stress the thing that I've heard over and over that I think is really important is that just comply with them. There is nothing that you have on your body that is, is worth your life. Give them your wallet, give them your purse. There is no, all of that is replaceable. There is no reason to risk your safety by, by fighting back. Even if you have a weapon on you, is it worth it? Is it worth the, the chance of escalation? Take your wallet, throw it, make them run after it. You run the other direction, take your purse, throw it, do what you can to get out of this situation. Instead of escalating the situation, and you're more likely to come out of it in a safer way, and that's about the most I want to sound like this Dr. lifestyle Phil. is dangerous <laughs> in any way because you know this world is a lot safer than the media is making it out to be right now. Violent crime is down by half from the seventies, and that's not to say that you don't have to be diligent, that you shouldn't be safe, but it sounds like. The world is getting more and more dangerous when when really the opposite is true. And it's not something that you need to be constantly afraid of. Be diligent, but don't be afraid. Right. Yes. But hey, this is all our opinions. And, and what do we know? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can make your own really. decisions for yourself and, and your family. And this is what we know, what we feel and what we choose.
1: We're just over here doing us. You be over there doing you. And at the end of the day, we'll all meet up on the road somewhere and enjoy a national park together and a beer. How about that?
0: Finally, we just want to mention that you do want to have some safety supplies in order. And uh, we've gone through some of that stuff in the past.
1: I thought you were about to say, and we've gone through several first aid kits. <laughs> no. So we know.
0: <laughs> no, but you do want to have a first aid kit. Of course you want to have a decent one.
1: You might want to have two if you have
0: <laughs> person, children. <laughs> the one thing I want to mention about safety supplies, like a first aid kit though, is keep them in. If you're, if you're driving an RV, whether you're towing a a, a trailer with a truck or whether you you pull a, a van or car behind you like we do, is to keep that sort of stuff in the car that you tow or in your truck. Because so often you think, okay, we're out camping. We have all this safety gear. It's in our RV. But you're not at your RV. You're out on a trail. And you've driven to a trailhead or you're, or whatever. Wherever you're visiting, you're usually visiting in your vehicle. So you want to make sure you have safety gear in your vehicle. First aid kit. Road flares, triangles, tire trains, whatever's required in that area, spare water, a blanket in case it gets cold and you're broken down somewhere where nobody can get to you. That sort of stuff I think is really important. And the one other thing I want to mention is have what's called a go bag. A go bag is a bag, a backpack, any sort of bag that you have packed ready to go in case something happens. So there's a fire in your RV. You have your go bag by your door. If you can get to that door and you're heading out that door, you can grab your bag on the way out. That way your RV is burnt down. You have some emergency supplies, a change of clothes, uh, a, a flash drive with important documents on it, uh, some granola bars or, or some sort of nourishment, some water, in a bag that you can grab and take with you wherever you go. There's a, there's a tornado coming. There's a, a violent thunderstorm, and you need to get into... The, the campgrounds emergency shelter. You take that. This is the bag you take with you.
1: Our go bag would already be prepared for the tornado because I would have sniffed it out like half an hour prior <laughs> to its arrival. I'm just teasing. I'm <laughs> just teasing. I love the idea of a go bag. And I've said it to you before. There's something about it of all the things that we keep as supplies to keep our family safe. The go bag stresses me out.
0: It kind of feels a little bit like tempting fate. I feel like it?
1: it's always looking at me.
0: It's kind of like saying, Here I am.
1: <laughs> are you going to need me? Right. Today? Right. How are you? How are things feeling around the campground? Do you think you and I are going to be rushing out later this afternoon together? <laughs> I just feel like the go bag is always looking at me.
0: But, you know, if you have that and you take it with you when you're in your car or whatever, uh, say that campground floods while you're away or No, it's a great idea. It's a great idea.
1: I don't mean to make light of it. I just, it is the one thing. A first aid kit is a first aid kit. It's got band-aids and things that you grew up having around the house when you get an owie, you know, the go bag is you got to go. And I need a bag in order to do that. And that just makes me a little anxious.
0: All right. That's our safety tips. If you have some safety tips, why don't you come over to the RV miles travel forum, sign up for it on Facebook and let's have a conversation about RV safety over there.
1: I would love to have a conversation about RV safety. Maybe we can find a way to make the go bag a little less stressful for yeah.
0: me. <laughs> yeah. Put flowers on it. Okay.
1: <laughs> what makes you think that flowers will make me feel less stressed out? Know.
0: Cause flowers are pretty.
1: Flowers yeah. are pretty.
0: All right, let's wrap this episode up with our new brain teaser. This one is, uh, this one is sort of a trivia stat. So I think a lot of people are going to get this, but, but I, I think it's interesting. So don't, don't cheat. Don't cheat. And look it up.
1: Yeah. No looking up the answer. You really have to like figure it out yeah. in the car as you're listening or. The, so
0: the reason I'm saying is this is an easy one to cheat on.
1: Oh, aren't no. they all? I mean, you can just kind of look up the answer. Well, to be honest, honey. I,
0: I try to, I try to obfuscate some of them a little bit oh, okay. so that, so they're not as easy to Google, but this gotcha. one. There's not really a way to get around that.
1: All right, well, let's, let's get this out now. You've set this up for quite some time, so hopefully right. it's as easy as you've led us all on to believe it is.
0: In World War I, after issuing helmets to soldiers to try and curb the rate of head injury, head injury rates increased by 500%. Why? We'll have the answer to that and a new brain teaser and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV miles podcast. That one
1: left me a little speechless. I was really thinking hard about it. Yes, we will have that answer. And thank you all so much for listening this week. You know, we appreciate you. We appreciate when you share us around your social media platforms or across the campfire, wherever it may be. We just really appreciate the support If you haven't already, we would also love a five-star review over on Apple Podcast or wherever you are listening to this today. And until next week, everyone, keep logging those RV miles and have a great week.
0: Bye.